Uh, and uh, I think you're the first person that's reached out to come on, mm. which I'm honored um, to, to speak with you. And we met at Hutch's Tuesday Talks and that Tuesday Talks was um, alien themed, extraterrestrial themed. And it was a pretty special night to be able to witness, um, you know, these, these gifts that you've uh, stated at Tuesday Talks, but also on your Instagram. So before we dive into that, though, I think it'd be great to get to know you better. So just kind of maybe introduce yourself, where you're from, and I think you're from New York City. Yeah. And you moved to Austin recently. Yeah, I, I grew up in New York, but I was actually living in L.A. before I came here. Okay. Um, so I was in L.A. Uh, going to school there and basically like COVID hit <laughs> during that. Yeah. Um, and I was still there. I I moved there because I wanted to experience something new. Like I didn't want to just stay in New York. Mm -hmm. um, so I went there, um, you know, hopes of just having a new experience and also just getting away from the cold weather in New yeah. York. Um, but as I was there, like, I pretty quickly realized that it wasn't really like a place for me. Like mm -hmm. it was, it wasn't aligned with who I was. And I was just kind of there because I already committed to going to school there. Um, but then once COVID hit, it was kind of like able to rethink everything yeah. um so i was still there like it was locked down everything like couldn't even go outside um to like places and i was just like okay well i'm here and now school's online so it took me a few months to like really make the decision but my family actually moved out here mm. and they were like why don't you like check out austin and see like how you would like it so i came here for like two days just on a whim and I was like let me see like how it how it goes mm -hmm. and it was just enough time for me to just make that decision um yeah. so like the following month I just moved here um and the difference between California and New York versus like Florida and Texas when it comes to COVID lockdowns and how strict they were there's a big difference um yeah the geographic location uh, it varies for sure. And so when, if you were in LA and I believe, are you like 22, 23 years old? I'm 22. 22. Mm -hmm. So right out of college and getting hit with the COVID lockdowns and I can't really even imagine I'm 30. Um, I was 27. So I was 2020. Yeah. I was like, I was like 27 when, uh, the lockdowns occurred, lost my job, was able to, I'm grateful I was able to move back in with my parents because wanted to be with my family because we just didn't know what was going to happen at mm -hmm. first. And then it wasn't as bad as we thought. But I still was close to my family. We did some cool stuff and we had a lot of intimate times together. Um, but yeah, being in your early 20s, graduating college and, and uh, just experiencing the lockdowns, uh, I'm sure you you get to the culture just shifts drastically too. Um, I was talking to a, um, a very new acquaintance um, that might come on the podcast soon, but he told me, or he's, he, he noticed a part of our um, back and forth with voice messages. And I was saying like, uh, you know, this and that and, and the COVID lockdowns and like my awareness of 
the darkness of human nature and this and that. And he was like, so you, you had kind of like a, you didn't have your own like spiritual awakening or, or just not even spiritual, but just awakening within yourself through COVID versus like maybe something through, uh, you know, maybe not external. It could have been, you know, a plant medicine or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it's, it's been a combination. I think COVID definitely, uh, changed something within me and my nervous system. Um, anyways, I'm, I'm totally rambling and inter- <laughs> interrupting your story. Good. Uh, so you moved here for, so you were here for like two days. Yeah. I actually came, um, to surprise my mom for her birthday. So it was kind of like an excuse oh, cool. for me to come. Um, so I came and then, yeah, I was just like, it was enough for me to be like, yeah, I, I'm going to move here. And honestly, I didn't even like, it wasn't like I went sightseeing and saw everything of Austin, but it was just enough to like be here physically and just know something was like pulling me to be here. Mm. Um, and honestly, I was, I was over LA even before like COVID hit, but then once it did, it was just like, okay, I really want to get out of here. How was the LA culture? Um, the culture, do you mean like pre-COVID or? You could do, yeah, you could talk about both. Yeah. Um, I think before, I think LA in general, it's a very like, sometimes I can, I can see that it could be more superficial than other cultures. And that's just because, you know, a lot of people go there with the intention of just making it big and, in um, you know, public industries like, uh, you know, acting and music and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I myself have been like in the art, like, realm and just uh involved in that but I I was always kind of like the type to feel more of an outsider like I went to a school where it was like the first time I experienced like what an influencer was like even in New York like I I you obviously know influencers because you like go and see it on social media but like I would like go in class and I would see someone like just like vlogging what they were doing but it wasn't really like an authentic thing it was just kind of like they were vlogging for the content and like for me it was just kind of like okay this is weird like I'm just trying to like get my work done um and yeah it was just like a different vibe that I don't I don't want to like excuse my language like shit on it but it's kind of just like yeah I I felt that I the people that were around me we're very much into like, this is what I'm going to do. And I don't care like if I hurt anybody in the process, Mm. like I don't care if I have to fake who I am or like, you know, put on these masks in order to like fit into what is deemed acceptable. Um, And that was just something that within me never felt right. Um, So experiencing that, especially in school and just seeing how people acted. um, Yeah, I was just not like, this is kind of like it is what it is. And I mm. feel like that could be in any place that you go to. Um, but I think for me, it was just like, yeah, it was just like a mix of it. And yeah, I I just didn't, I just didn't vibe with it. But yeah. anyways, um, once COVID hit, it was like everything got closed. Like even like the gyms were closed. Like you couldn't go. And the like, beaches The beaches, well. like wild. it was like, it was awful. Like, I, honestly, I think I I did pretty good because, like, I, I literally bought, like, dumbbells. I bought, like, a, what's it called? Like, a barbell that you can, like, adjust. Mm-hmm. So I, I got what I needed to, like, still do what I needed to do. But there were certain points where it was, like, 
it really does feel like house arrest. Yeah. Um. And yeah. And then I noticed like other states weren't like that. And I'm like, well, why <laughs> am I? Why do I have to be home like this? So I had a buddy, uh, Danny on, and he was saying he was there for a little bit. I think in L.A. or some some area of California, and he watched the city mayor uh, exclaiming on a commercial. Uh, it was incentivizing people to rat other people out which is, and so ratting on people that were going outside and they were like bulldozing the sand on the beaches and putting sand in skate parks and, and then, yeah, and this guy's like incentivizing uh, people to rat each other out and call this number, text this number, which, I mean, if you look at, if you, if you read a history book, it does somewhat remind me of like a totalitarian vibe in the modern setting which yeah and other people might not agree with that they they might think well they're just trying to be safe and um you know trying to s stop the spread and it's like okay well you're also like damaging people's mental and emotional health through subjecting them to confine themselves mm -hmm. right and so uh yeah my buddy danny was like this is where i just immediately I think he packed up his shit and left at some point. But, um, yeah, it was just wild to kind of witness that in California. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I feel like I I experienced, like, the complete shift because I, even in school, like, I, I was there a year prior. So I had experienced what it was like to, like, go to campus and, like, how the everyday was. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it was, like, a complete 180 of like yeah. okay well now you have to stay now you have to stay inside now your classes are online like you can't even like go to another like apartment to see a friend or something mm -hmm. like that so it was just like like your it was just like something that we uh, none of us had experienced before um so yeah it was a complete switch um and then yeah just actually being inside and looking outside and the few times where I would go outside, it was like I would still notice like there was a lot of chaos. Mm. Um, like there, I remember one time like I literally saw military tanks like on my block. Really? Yeah. And it was like I felt like it was in a movie. I'm like, what is going on? Like no, military tanks to stop people from swimming on swimming in the ocean. It was, I was in like the middle of downtown LA. So okay. I don't know what that was. There was people were like, probably protest. This was around like George Floyd too. Yeah. So there yep. was the chaos of like COVID and George Floyd. So yeah, it yeah. was a, a mix of things going on. Yeah. Yeah. And so <clears throat> you moved to Austin. Um, how's your experience been here? It's been really good. Yeah. I, um, I feel like Austin's been the most, like, at home for me. Mm -hmm. Like, even though I spent most of my life in New York, like, I I never had that sense of feeling at home in a city. Um, I also lived in Hawaii for a few months, like, after I graduated high school. And I I traveled since I was young. And, like, I've always been the type of person that, like, felt at home in a sense not being in one place mm -hmm. um so coming here to austin it was kind of like a switch in that of like finding a place that does feel like home and 
just having a balance because I feel like for me it's really nice to be able to like go and just do activities that you normally would want to do but also have the solitude of like retreating into nature mm. if you have to yeah um, so that's something that I really love about Austin yeah um just to point at Hawaii real quick I, I noticed on your Instagram you stated that Hawaii taught you uh, to appreciate nature and land mm. and the animals. Yeah. Um, so when you were living there, you what what about Hawaii kind of gave that that learning lesson for you? Just the the fact that you're on an island and separated from the mainland. Um. Yeah. I mean, like New York to Hawaii is like completely <laughs> different. Yeah. So it's like noticing the difference of just like the locals that that live there like how much they really um appreciate and value their land mm -hmm. like they you know they even like like littering like people don't litter there like mm -hmm. in new york like they try to keep it clean but like you'll just see people oh, yeah. just throwing stuff and like it's like there's no um there's just no thought of like oh yeah like this is the planet that we live on why don't we you know try to keep it as clean as we can or just care about it and over there it's like the people and the land are almost like one mm. and yeah even even the animals like there's so much respect for the animals like they even like they have laws there like you can get fined like if you touch a sea turtle because mm. they don't want you to like especially tourists to be like messing with the animals or like the coral or anything like that um so yeah, being there like really showed me how how connected we all are and seeing how like, okay, like the people of Hawaii, they really like want to um, keep their land as pure as possible. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we gotten so used to living in an environment where like we don't remember what it was like to be in a land that wasn't like contaminated, mm -hmm. um, whether that be physically or mentally. And in, in, in knowing that, um, it, it just brought a deeper appreciation and like taking that with me of like, wherever I go, I do want to be more appreciative of the land and doing what I can, um, to honor that. Mm. Um, even if that, like, I've, I'll, I'll be the type to like clean somebody's trash up, but also just like taking a moment to think like, the trees that are present, the animals that are present, um, you know, the sky, everything. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. When uh, I went to Costa Rica for about a week for a men's retreat that involved ayahuasca. Um, and I think a combination of being in solitude in a way. So being in like rural Costa Rica, deep in nature, away from the noisiness of an urban city and then also having like space of mind. So like not being on my phone as much, like just, just not being mentally active and then not being as caffeinated, not having any alcohol, just like purifying my life. And then obviously ayahuasca just fucking took me to another place as well. Um, but after that experience, I did, and, and this resonated for over, it still does to this day, but it, 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 the degree to how much it resonated 
a month to two months after that experience um, was higher than it is. I mean, now, but maybe it's because I'm working a lot, but uh, I did, I did have this sense of we are all connected in a way, this unifying feeling and this unifying presence, which to, uh, you know, the average American or even my own friends or family, they might think that this oneness that you have, this, you know, unification um, sounds kind of like mystical bullshit, Mm -hmm. but it's a beautiful recognition and understanding. And you just have a lot more compassion and gratitude for everything in life at every moment. And, you know, when I was a kid, I was like 14, confused, had a lot of illusions and portrayals of myself and not as healthy. And I remember like just smoking weed with my buddies in the car all the time and smoking blunts and just being high all the time. So just that all like masks certain things as well. And we would just like throw our trash out the window, which is, I'm you know, ashamed to even say that, but it, it is what, that's what we did. And we didn't do it all the time, but at certain moments we would, yeah, throw it out and, and not have any respect for nature. We didn't have respect for ourselves, to be honest. But, um, yeah, as I grow older and, and really try to work on myself in various ways, I do understand that, yeah, um, we need to we need to make some changes, right? If you go walk down Austin, New York City, LA, any major city, I mean, Austin's actually cleaner than other cities. I think I go down I go downtown here and there for work, and they've got a cool uh, initiative and 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 a group of workers. They're they're called the Austin Alliance. And they pick mm-hmm. up all the trash mm-hmm. and they help with the homeless. So I haven't seen that in other cities. It's, it's pretty neat to see that. But um, yeah, it's still, it, it's, an, it's an issue. It's an, definitely an issue. Pollution and, and uh, homelessness and, and you know, just those two are big subjects to tackle. So really neat. I, I saw that when I was doing a little bit of scrolling just to, you know, review who you are and get to know you a little bit better. Um, and yeah, Hawaii just seems like a great place to, to kind of disconnect, but, but ground and connect with nature. So, um, anyways, uh, your journey in Austin, um, it seems like you've gravitated towards the people here and there's definitely a fit for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like also it's, you know, sometimes we say it's the place, but I think it's also um, a balance of our internal state and our environment, our external environment reflects that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like as I was going through my own journey, you know, just prior to COVID, but in between then and then after, um, like I was growing as an individual. So I feel like by that growth occurring, um, it brought me to this environment. And I, I noticed that meeting people that were also on this similar journey of, you know, um, really, I feel like a, a common theme that I've noticed with majority of people that I've met here is like, we all like 
came here to kind of like start over mm. and do something different from what where we came from like mm. back home like do something different from the people that were in our lives prior um and just take a new way mm-hmm. um so just being around other people that kind of like understand like what it is to like make that move that is you know it could be risk it could be considered risky or it can be considered um you know maybe you're like why are you doing that like mm-hmm. what's the point in that and it's like it's sometimes there's things that we do that isn't um you know uh, a physical or tangible explanation it's more so of like it's something within that we feel and mm-hmm. and being okay with not like knowing the logical approach is just like this is what it feels like and i'm gonna follow that mm-hmm. um so yeah 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 that's that explains uh in essence of how i made my decision to come here it's been almost two years and some of it was opportunity in business but also uh just a subconscious and intuitive feeling based off of uh just a little bit of research too on like through social media channels and seeing the 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 energy of Austin the various demographics it was just a unique it is a unique area and you've got these pockets of health and fitness and tech and and uh spirituality and um so what are you what are you currently working on right now I think I saw um you're a great artist you paint I do. And um, uh, what was the name of it? It was uh, like, it involved the word alchemy. Creative alchemy. Creative alchemy. Yes. Did you get into that a little bit? Uh, yeah. So creative alchemy is a class that I'm growing right now. I basically, uh, I would say like the process just happened or it's happening as my spiritual journey has grown. So I've always been an artist, like my whole life. I started painting when I was like, I don't know, three years old and Mm -hmm. I can just pick up a brush. Um, And I, I went to school for graphic design, but painting has always been my, it's been kind of like the thing that I, I love the most. And for some time I, I wasn't doing it. Um, it was probably like after high school. Cause I also went to like a specialized visual arts high school in New York. So literally part of my curriculum was like taking art classes and mm. like different mediums. So it was really cool because I got to experience all these different avenues of visual arts, but mm. because it was like very taxing and like every day it was like, and we were getting graded on it. It almost started taking the fun out of making art mm. Um, and yeah. And then I was like, okay, well I need to go get a degree. So I was like, I, I was curious about like the digital aspects, but it was more so like, okay, this seems like the more, um, I would say less risky route of going for a career. So I, I got my degree in graphic design and then all those four years, it was a lot of, you know, also I would say taking the fun out of out of design work so mm-hmm. it was like I always had this love for it but the the approach that I was going at it was 
it was just too much and not as intentional for my soul to actually be happy. Mm. Um, so yeah, like I would, it was more so like, yeah, like towards the end of, of school, like probably halfway actually, where I was just like, I was just doing the assignments, but like I was losing like the, the spark in it. And it's a little, it's a little bit forced in a way because you need to do it for the degree in the class. And I had Brandon on yesterday. We were just talking about, um, having a space of mind, uh, free time and how like Einstein, he was working on his theory of relativity. Mm -hmm. When he finally got his aha moment, it was when he was just doing nothing. He was standing in a train station and certain things happened in the train station. He was just observing and that spark of like creative, like creativity just came to him. Right. And I see that too. It's like, when you give yourself just a lot of space of time and, and just mind and just to like flow out whatever you need to flow out, some of the best creative acts and sparks come to you. But if you're in school and you're trying to get a degree and they're like, well, you need to do these things on the curriculum. It's like, all right, well, I got to force this in a way. And it may still be great, mm -hmm. but you know, if you're naturally creative, but it's tough definitely tough yeah um yeah and I I started noticing that too just how I felt I was like it was like high stress all the time and like I I tended to procrastinate and I still do that sometimes but it was more so noticing like why was I procrastinating it was like literally trying to avoid that feeling of being stressed out about mm -hmm. getting something done in this amount of time or like you know whatever the prompts were and yeah, so it was, I honestly, I don't know where the overlap was because I, I really felt like it was, it was really probably a few days after like they announced like, hey, we're on lockdown mm. where it was like, it felt like everything kind of just stopped. And even though I was still in school, like I remember like they started giving us extensions for things and it was like, cause no one knew what was going on. Mm. So it was kind of like this pause of like, okay, well, I have this time now and something within me literally just drew me to like, okay, why don't I just paint? Mm -hmm. And it was like this spark where it was like, I realized that I hadn't painted in years. Like since I, since I graduated before, it probably had been at least two years mm -hmm. um, or more, three since I painted. And I, I had like extra supplies with me um, I was living in like a, it was like a student apartment complex thing. So I had a shared apartment and like really the only like private space I had was my room. So I like grabbed like a garbage bag, like taped it on the floor. And then that was kind of like my painting area. So I was just started painting on the floor. Um, and I noticed that the way I was painting was it was just a different feeling from what I was experiencing in school um, because I just allowed it to come naturally. Mm. It wasn't this moment of force. It was like, okay, like I really just feel like painting and there's no um, expectation of what it's going to look like. Yeah. Um, so that was like, I think that was like that moment that sparked that in me. And I I was painting more so as just like a hobby after that. So I just started, you know, painting again. I was still in school, but 
it was like this was something that I knew was always like there. And then honestly, when I moved to Austin, I feel like that was where I started even seeing the art community here. Mm. And I thought I was like, whoa, like this is really cool because I didn't even expect Austin to have such a big art community. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just saw like all the murals around and just like this different approach to art where I was like, this is really cool. Um, And yeah, I, I feel like it was, it was this switch that happened because I was still like, I, I just had, I got my degree and I speak of this, like it happened a while ago, even though it didn't, but it feels like that Mm -hmm. because it's like, I feel like I've changed so much very constantly that it's like, even like last month, I can see things as a completely different version of me. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, um, Yeah, with Creative Alchemy, it was really just this process of me reconnecting with my creativity Mm -hmm. and with my art. And while this was happening, like my like I I was uncovering my own psychic abilities. Mm -hmm. And that also happened pretty much at the start of COVID. Yeah. So it was like this overlap where as as I was tuning more into my my senses and having the like heightened abilities like art was an outlet for that and Mm. it was a tool for that um so when I moved to Austin it was more of like having this this overall understanding of how everything is connected and Mm. I always I feel like I've always had that even as a young kid but it was like after like having like a spiritual awakening it was like really everything that we do is mm-hmm. connected. Yeah. Um, so I kind of saw this this bridge between my art and and my psychic abilities. Mm. And I I started like doing new things. Like I started using more like intentional practices. Like just when before I paint, I always set my intention and I like to clear my space. So I'll usually like sage or Palo Santo. Um, put some incense, like making sure that it's a space that feels good to me and not like a space that is forced. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that I started incorporating. And then, uh, yeah, just connecting with a higher power, like connecting with more than what was there. And with that in mind, it was like creative alchemy just started forming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed that when I, when I put my intention and when I, when I do things with, in a, you know, you can call it in a ritualistic way of like, as I'm painting or as I'm doing any form of art, I'm literally alchemizing whatever I have internally. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as, as humans, you know, just as people, we, we all have the ability to, to alchemize whatever we're going through. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of these tools, um, they were lost. Like, I feel like creative alchemy is in a sense, uh, it's, it's a modern version of, of lost knowledge, Mm -hmm. because if you go back and back to ancient times, like, like art was always there, like it was always there. It was, it was just something that 
we weren't really um I feel like it wasn't taught in the way that that it has the potential to be like the way that I was taught yes you know if you if you want to paint like um, a realistic portrait that requires a level of of technique and skill so that's understandable of like the technical aspect but a lot of what I was taught was just like producing and like basically like putting value on it based on somebody else's opinion mm. and mm. for me it was like art is something that is sacred to ourselves and it doesn't need to look a certain way yeah. um like they say like you know it's cliche but like beauty is in the eye of the beholder right so it's like even if one person might not find that art beautiful or whatever you make or not even uh, understand it or make sense of it if it means something to you that's all that matters mm -hmm. um so yeah that's that was kind of like this process of creative alchemy and and I'm still integrating new things with it because I feel like when I paint it's not just like okay I have my idea now I'm just gonna paint and I and I see the finished piece it's more so like the the picture or the story that's wanting to be formed it comes as I'm just sitting and being present mm. because again I'm not having an expectation of what it's going to look like mm. I'm just tapping in and feeling whatever's going on and just like yeah. okay this is what's coming out yeah to comment on a thread that came to me when you spoke to cutting out a garbage bag and, and beginning this process of painting that contrasted with school kind of making making it a uh, timely obligation versus the flow of just naturally letting it out. Um, it was just funny that you said that because I'm speaking to someone else that reached out. Um, there's this fictitious book that I recited recently. It's called The Essential Revolution. Mm -hmm. It's unreal. It's so good. I highly recommend it. I think you would love it. Um, based off of like just your energy, you know, a surface level overview that I've dived into your world a little bit. But the author, he's got like 80 followers on Instagram. He's never on it. Um, he hired someone like a media person, but my friend recommended the book. And so that friend knows the author and so he sent this video that i posted of the book and so now i'm like the so the author has reached out to me and we've just been having a discussion of just two people having a discussion about the book but also just random things now it's just like evolved to voice messages and um he's been telling it's i laugh and i i just i i uh because he said this a few times throughout these voice messages, this, this exchange of voice messages, he said that it's kind of psychedelic how the process of, of writing the book came out to be because I was learning along the way and I didn't know, I couldn't even really tell who was writing it, right? And so this form of expression that kind of comes naturally and you have no idea what the fuck is going to happen. <laughs> you know, like I do this with music sometimes. I don't do it enough and I... I, I, I um. I look forward to uh, focusing on music more. And this is, this right here is like a form of art for me. Um, but like music is also definitely there too. 
um, just it's a beautiful thing and it's kind of this magical part of being a, a human right is is there's no explanation for it right it's like all I can find are these trends of when you just give yourself open space of mind and presence these things just it's like a source that comes to you for creativity and there's this book um uh, my buddy i forgot he, he's very uh the art of war i think it's called and uh this author speaks to res- like resistance and dealing with resistance of writing and approaching every day writing when you don't want to um and then also just how he treats it as like it's this source and he's not like this overly religious person he just talks about him being a writer and it comes to him from somewhere you know um our own creativity and imagination and i just it's really there's no you know and i want to speak to what you mentioned like your um these psychic abilities mm-hmm. and what we witnessed at tuesday talks because you know i'm i'm still establishing my own spiritual understanding mm-hmm. my own path right and i come from mainly like an atheist background i was raised catholic mm-hmm. in massachusetts and my family my great grandmother my grandmothers were religious and they prayed and there was a healthy sense to it and then certain members of my family kind of lost that uh, religious dedication and intention due to the Catholic Church becoming kind of corrupt and uh, egregious towards like little boys and whatnot. And so that kind of dropped off and any kind of intention or spiritual awareness or practice was kind of gone, right? And I would, I would say that there's certain aspects of my family and people that I love in my life growing up that still had certain ways of behaving and just being that might have been spiritual to them, mm-hmm. right? But it wasn't like, it wasn't these organized religions of Catholicism or Christianity. Um, so I never really had that growing up, like a really overly religious uh, focus. And more so, I've been focusing on it and and having the intention to do this on a daily basis so that uh, it's not just for when it's moments of loss or challenges. Because some people turn to spiritualism, you know, practices when, they, when they're in a tough moment. I think it should be a daily thing. And I want to be able to practice that more. And, and that can vary for everybody, right? Like freedom of your own spiritual practices. And so... At the same time, I come from, you know, we both, we're both from America, which is very focused on the scientific method and rationalism and metrics and, you know, materialism. And, and so I do have this kind of skepticism with any, anybody that approaches me, right? It's not just you and the gentleman, this author that I spoke to, it's very interesting that he's, he said this recently in a voice message and he was talking about there are dark entities occurring and so my rational brain my american brain uh was like i don't know what to say to this i'm not saying that i don't believe you i'm not saying that i don't trust you it's that i just can't i haven't embodied that yet what i what i relate to him was that my nine to five i work for a bitcoin company this 
and just to not get too into this to you know digress but bitcoin is this software is a decentralized cryptographic network that can allow human beings to exchange like me uh, it's a medium of exchange it's a form of money that's decentralized and it's like freedom money whereas the form of money that we've had for a hundred at least a hundred years around a hundred years has been in the control of a small amount of people and they have manipulated like it's very very manipulative um and, it, and it's consolidated power and so money uh so bitcoin being this decentralized like no human being owns the network controls the network uh it's it's governed by mathematics rules not rulers it opened my eyes and this all happened during COVID. it opened my eyes towards something's really wrong here so i was seeing COVID and the lockdowns and different things from the media and then george floyd and how how focused everyone was on george floyd and how enraged everybody got and then I just started going on social media a lot on Twitter and I was learning all these different things and I was seeing the dark side of humanity. And I was turning to this tool, this technology that's like still to this day blowing my mind. And I think that anybody that has an independent way of thinking and that's strong-minded like yourself should dive into it. But it's a, it's a very complex topic, but you can make it simple. Anyways, what I told this guy was like, I don't necessarily disagree with you or I don't believe you. I, I, I do trust you. It's that I just haven't embodied it yet, right? And I, I, I still, I'm very uh, open-minded. And so I did tell him though that I do feel a shift. Like I, I had this, like there's, I remember where I was. It was back in 2020 in Boston, in my tiny little Boston apartment room. And when I was learning this, this technology, by way of knowledge, I just like, ex my consciousness expanded. I was like, whoa, there's something to this. This is a tool that everybody can use. Individuals can be empowered by this. And then everything just changed. Like I just started going, I was so, like, I got goosebumps just talking about it. Like I was so naturally curious about, about the opportunity to help people be like, yo, you don't have to be a victim to this kind of propaganda like staged media in America or elsewhere, not even just this country or a victim to the rat race of our money system chasing, you know, I don't want to get into economics, mm -hmm. but at, when they print trillions of dollars, your savings account, it stays at 10,000. Let's say it's at $10,000 and you're saving like a responsible human being. When they print more money, you're still losing money. It's invisible. It's an invisible tax. And so people don't understand that and it's sad because people are saving they're trying and so anyways bitcoin is this tool to preserve your time and your value mm. so i did kind of get too far and i said i wasn't gonna mm -hmm. but anyways i told this gentleman and he he just told me this the other night that there are dark entities and i'm like i don't know what what to say about that but and then at the same time i'm you're you're on the podcast and you're talking about light language mm -hmm. and there's this just interesting moment for me to kind of get two people that are telling me this these things and and this gentleman's very like his language and his book is very it's very impactful and it's very insightful and even if anybody he's he told me he's like i did i designed it for someone that's not even on a spiritual path that's not even like expanding their consciousness just by reading it and turning the page 
they're embodying the writing and then they're like, whoa, that makes sense. It's kind of spiritual woo-woo stuff, but <laughs> it's making sense. There's some truth to it, right? Yeah. And then one other thing before I like to let you dive into what we experienced at Tuesday Talks is there are certain people, especially in the Austin area, that do have a spiritual ego. Like a, just I call it like spiritual ego or narcissism or materialism, right? And you and so there's this. If you're an intelligent human being, you're trying to trust others, right? You want to trust other other people. And I trust you, and I trust this other gentleman, and I think I have a gift of having a good sense of intuition. I think most of us do, but I follow it, and I usually feel like I'm right with it. And so funny because I was gonna when I when we exchanged social media at Tuesday Talks Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it over and over I was like I kind of want to have her on the podcast (laughs) and I was already kind of like thinking about other stuff and doing other things and then you reached out I was like okay perfect (laughs) um but something happened at Tuesday Talks and everybody was captivated um so could you describe um maybe just kind of drop the setting of where we were, but then also then dive into what occurred. And then also, if you remember, because I know you said that sometimes <laughs> yeah. you don't remember. Yeah. Uh, and then we can kind of get into more more into this. Topic. Yeah. Um, honestly, I forgot what I think. Well, do you remember what the question was? I feel like it was For, a question. So, that... it, yeah. So the setting was in a backyard in our friend, our friend's backyard. And he does this thing called Tuesday Talks. And it's typically like entrepreneurial focus. Like what challenges are you facing? What are you also really ignited towards? But this one was different. It was like, this is, uh, you know, extraterrestrial alien themed. Because there was a lot at the time. This wasn't long ago at all. This was like a month, maybe not even a month ago, mm-hmm. three weeks or so. Yeah, probably. And there was some major news released about extraterrestrial beings and sightings of it. And a lot of that's been going on in the news. I mean, it's not old, it's not old topics, right? Mm-hmm. It's just more prominently uh, in, in conversation in the eyes of, of the public. And so, yeah, he wanted to start this, uh, this little Tuesday talks. It was like a dozen of us in a circle and a beautiful, it was a beautiful day in the backyard. And he was asking different questions and I honestly don't know exactly mm-hmm. what it was verbatim, but it was talking about we had, we we would just like raise these different colored pieces of paper to to reflect on yes or no if we agreed with a question. Mm-hmm. But then I got to a point where it was kind of like open mic, and you spoke I, I think at least two to three times. And initially, you did you you revealed like I've been able to kind of receive a different these different signals. Yeah. Called the light language. Yeah. Right. Correct. And uh we I mean, I was immediately curious. It's like, oh, okay. But we still had to let people talk. And then yeah. I got to a point where it circled back to you and you started talking. I can't remember everything you were saying, but then you like as you were flowing with your talking, you like put out a disclaimer. You're like, when it comes to me, it just happens. And then you just started going. Yeah. And you started going with it and it was this different language that I've never heard before. I don't think it's a, it's any, it's, it's not a human language. And it lasted for about a minute, I think. And then you translated it to English and it was as, as if like ancestors from a different place were saying that they were watching us, that were, that we 
see you and that we're here to tell you something like empower you or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. I don't either. And I, (laughs) but, but, um, it was just, it was interesting that, uh, like I've never seen, I've never experienced anything like that. And I never really thought of any human ability to receive certain things. So anyways, I, everything that I was just saying earlier about like trying to trust and, and still ask questions, like, I just want to learn more about it. Yeah. And it, I think you said like in 2020, it started to happen, right? Yeah. Um, My journey with it has been, it's honestly like, I feel like my life is a movie sometimes. <laughs> like I'm not even joking. Um, I think the first time it happened, um, I actually started writing before I started speaking. Mm-hmm. So I started, it was one day I was still in that, um, in that room, in that a- apartment that I was living in, in LA. And I I literally felt like I was like tripping, even though I had never tripped in my life before. Mm-hmm. But it, it was like this sense of like, I feel like my, like the world seemed different. And like, I was in the room and it it felt like time had stopped. And I could see almost like, it felt like things weren't as solid. Like mm. the the walls were kind of like, it, it felt like I could almost like touch something and like I would like just put my hand through the wall. It was very weird how it looked. And, and you were on no psychedelics. I was on no psychedelics, <laughs> okay. promise. Yeah. Um, And I was just kind of like sitting there and like looking around the room. And then I like my my hearing, it was kind of like um, it felt like my how do you describe that when like it's almost like things start feeling like you can't really hear anymore like it was like a yeah like everything went silent Mm. but it was kind of like a distance it was like I think I don't even know if my roommates were home at that time but it was like I could still hear it very faintly but it was like the sound started getting farther away Mm. um so I was just there and then like I had the urge to by the way, real quick, just want to make sure that's not covering the mic's not covering your face. Like, we'll make sure sure that yeah. Let's okay. Like, yeah, you okay, go. That's better. Okay, continue. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I had the urge to just like grab a pen and I started writing, and it was like, it was super fast too. Mm. It was like my, my my hand had never moved that fast, and I I. It was just like this, this state of like the download. It was a download. Yeah. And I, I didn't know what a download was at that time. (laughs) I was just like experiencing this thing that I'm like, okay, this is new. This is weird. What's going on. And after that, like, yeah, I had this, these symbols or this written language and I knew it was something because I'm like, okay, like it, it felt like I was like, you know, writing instructions so or something. what you were writing was not English? No. It was just straight up the light, the, the light yeah. language? Yeah. Okay. So it was like symbols that I had never seen before. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, I feel like the thing that, that partly got me through this was my my mother and I were going through a spiritual awakening at the same time. So I had reached out to her and I was like, hey, like, this has happened to me and I don't know 
what her journey was, but she she already knew. She's like, oh, this is light language. I'm like, what are you talking really? about? Like, really? So it- your mother has experienced it as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I was like, okay. And she, I don't know what she sent me. She started sending me like articles and like, you know, there was, there was people that were, that were openly talking about this and openly talking just about extraterrestrial life and, you know, everything that was going on during COVID. So I just started like actually listening to people. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think that in that it was kind of like confirming what I was already going through. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. And then I think that was, I don't know when they released that, that documentary on like the Epstein Island. Yeah. I don't know if that was in 2020. Two two years ago. It was like. It's interesting because it was right before COVID. Yeah. And before the mass populace could really die. I I feel like a good portion of the population knows it at this point. It's been talked about on Joe Rogan on so many different platforms. Um, So it's pretty obvious now. Um, But it did start that documentary, I think, came up on Netflix. and then, yeah, COVID kind of happened and the chaos of just different things kind of distracted everyone. Yeah. So honestly, like there was an overlap there, I feel like, because when I, as I was kind of like opening my channel, like I started feeling this depth of of grief. And mm. I like, I was like, I, I felt so connected to these children that I have never met or seen. Mm. And it was like, whoa like what is going on like i i had this grief and it it was almost like the the connection and the empathy with these kids almost like kind of like i would say it literally like burst my 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 crown chakra open and that was kind of what allowed that to to flow mm. because it was like yeah it was like another level of of grief and anger and just like fully allowing myself to be like, like what is, what is wrong with this world? And for context, cause I mean, you never know. Some listeners might not know what you're talking about. Yeah, but the, yeah, Ep- yeah. the Epstein, there's a lot of depth going into that story. I actually have a couple books on it that I haven't read and it's just, it's going to be a mind blower and it's not a fun thing to read about, but mm-hmm. what, it is, is Epstein was a part of a, like intelligent intelligence agencies that was this blackmailing system. And he created this sex trafficking, child sex trafficking um, system that was blackmailing tons of different people. I mean, there's like a list that hasn't been revealed. And it's no, it's not, yeah, it's been kind of like diminished. And, and so but all these different people that are very powerful politicians came to this island that he had. And um, yeah, it's really disturbing. It's a disturbing as- aspect of of modern times. Um, and just recently I saw like Mel, Mel Gibson is mm-hmm. trying to release a documentary on this with Hollywood and the sex trafficking, um, the current sex trafficking system and supposedly mm-hmm. like this is like, this is what I heard. I fact checked me, mm-hmm. uh, but supposedly it's a thirty-four to thirty-five billion dollar industry. And you know, every time this might be so unrelated, but every time I see like my Amber Alert go off, I'm like, 
dude. Yeah. That, and it happens in Texas a lot. A lot. And it's like my heart rings out. It's like, hmm, maybe that's, that could be, like, it's all young kids getting stolen. And yeah, it's just like a bunch of weird things going on with, um, with that. And so I can understand the grief you felt because I've also felt a lot of compassion and wanted to learn about it, which is kind of a weird thing. I've I've said to friends, like, I want to learn about this evil because Mm -hmm. I think it's going to change me to want to, you know, like we got to act here in a certain way. So. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I kind of went off on a tangent, but like really thinking about it now, I feel like that was really what, what woke me up. Um, was that during COVID you said? It was during COVID. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And it was, it was within the same, I don't know, the same week or something that I just remember. I think it was probably right before. And it's hard because I feel like sometimes my, like, literally my sense of time just, like, mm-hmm. overlaps. But I I was, I think I had read something about it. It was something that, like, sparked this, like, it was just, like, this deep, deep emotion. And right after that, it was when I started writing. And... I thought that that there was some type of connection there, but I I still hadn't gone into the realm of, you know, ETs and other life. It was just like, this was a very human problem, right? Mm. This human problem of violence, of, of greed, um, you know, of, of just causing pain, inflicting pain, especially on, on innocence. Mm-hmm. And I, I really started doing a lot of research. Um, like I said, I, I started listening to people. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of Elizabeth April. She's a, I, you can call her kind of like this uh, ET uh, talk person. Like she, mm-hmm. she's very open about her experiences and she has her own podcast too. Um, and I had seen like her YouTube videos and things and, and she had mentioned about um, just like the the things that were happening with the children. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the information and like I, I would say like a deeper understanding of it was coming through what she was saying was the intergalactics. And I I didn't really I didn't really have a hesitation. For me, it was kind of like I, I've always felt like we weren't alone in this world. Um, and I've always felt like there was more to what we were being told and there was more to what we were being taught. So it was almost like these pieces started um, kind of coming together. Um, but in order for me to to get to that point... I had to allow myself to truly feel uh, anger and feel grief mm-hmm. and feel um, disappointment, whatever you want to call it, um, especially about something other than me. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times in our day-to-day, we get caught up in our life and the things that, you know, are going to make 
our life better. And, you know, it's a, our society's very like, okay, what's in it for me? Mm. And when I was able to kind of like take the attention off of myself and just sit and be aware of what what's happening in the world. Okay, like this is our situation. And then learning about what was happening with the children. Um, it was like this this new level of of compassion and empathy occurred. And I think a lot of what a lot of the connection between um just opening and being a channel is the ability to allow yourself to feel. Um, because feeling isn't always going to be good. Um, I think especially during COVID and, and lockdown and that, it was probably one of the like the lowest times um, emotionally and mentally for myself because I was really sitting with everything. I was sitting with myself, but also sitting with, you know, just the state of the world and and the dark stuff that are mm. that is happening and have happened for for centuries. And it was just like I think a lot of things have been kind of just put under the rug mm -hmm. and it's it's been a lot of build up where it's like we've been told what we need to focus on, but there's more things going on. Mm -hmm. Like yes, you know, yes, there's issues with this over here and there's an issue with that over there. But it's like, I started realizing that like, it was almost like I was being told where I needed to put my attention to. And I was being told like what I needed to stand for, yeah. what I needed to fight for. Mm -hmm. And losing that connection with like, well, what, what do I feel? Um, and just that thought in itself was sparked by feeling mm -hmm. by by going like sobbing like there was no tomorrow mm -hmm. and just yeah um I forgot what, what was the original question that you asked but um I think it was about like my my gifts yeah. and yeah the way that I was able to to tap deeper into them was through feeling everything mm -hmm. um and I feel like I used to be afraid of feeling because I I knew within that I was I was sensitive and I was I was more likely to um yeah just to to be sensitive towards something mm -hmm. and I I learned to shut that off just because of my environment um even like growing up in New York it's a very like action oriented city it's very much like do what you got to do. Like, I don't care. I don't care what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, just do it. And I, yeah, like I, I just learned to kind of shut off my emotions and shut off like, um, my empathy really. And when COVID hit, it was like this reverse of like all that time where I was kind of like, putting how I was feeling to the side or like just things that internally just didn't feel right within. It was still there. I was just ignoring it. Mm. Um, and then now, you know, now it seemed like the world, the whole world had stopped. It's like, okay, now what do you do? Mm -hmm. 
what do you do when, you know, you don't have to go to your job. You don't have to like answer calls. You don't have to do this. Like all these obligations had stopped. And yeah, it was like a, it felt like a reset. It was a pause for everyone, a breather. Mm-hmm. And I I heard a lot of married couples found out that they weren't really truthfully connected during that time. You know, it was like a, maybe that's one example of many different realizations during that time, but uh, it's interesting. Yeah, that COVID, you know, it's this dark, dark period of, uh, of our recent history, but it also shined a light on some of these inauthentic expressions of ourselves or maybe that we were carrying forward. So, uh, yeah, you know, try to look at the silver lining and different things. Mm-hmm. But um, question I have for you, you, you said your mother knew already. Mm-hmm. So what does she say and, and how has this developed? Um, yeah, I mean, my my mother was very much the type of mother that like, if I, you know, if I said that, like, I made friends with, like, I don't know, a hobbit, she'll be, like, entertaining the idea. Like, she was a very much, like, didn't really um, stop me from just mm-hmm. thinking what I wanted to think. Mm-hmm. And I was taught in a, I would say, a, a pretty, like, open-minded household. Um, she... She was raised Roman Catholic, but she she always considered her like the black sheep of the family. And like from a young age, I was like taught about like meditation and yoga mm. and just like um, practices um, very much um, in health and wellness. And yeah, I, 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 I learned a lot from her and she... She always kept an open mind, um, especially when it came to just having your own, having your own thoughts and having your own beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I never felt like I was uh, forced to think a certain way. Um, but yeah, she she was very much intuitive herself. Um, she told me from a young age too, that she was able to see spirits and she, she had abilities. So Mm. it was kind of like this, it wasn't a, a thing that was odd or, or weird to discuss. Um, but yeah, I think it was kind of like this other level of like, okay, once, once we both went through the spiritual awakening, it was just unlocking another layer to mm. our our perception and to our our reality um and yeah i i honestly i didn't really ask her like what was the moment for her but she kind of just seemed to like have picked up on on things right before me so she had enough kind of background to be like yeah this is what you're going through mm. um but yeah like we were kind of both in this process and um it was, it was, I think it was really great that I could talk to her about it. Cause I, I feel like I know a lot of people that, that went through it and didn't have anyone to share it with. Um, 
especially family. Mm. And um, I know that a lot of families were, you know, I would only want to say broken apart, but there was a lot of distance that was created um, just because of uh, just these change of perceptions and mm. how these perceptions just weren't aligning. Um, so, yeah, she she confirmed a lot of things, but it was also like sparking more um, sparking more interest in like asking questions. Mm. So, yeah. And what were those questions? I that mean, came to mind, you know, like once once it kind of erupted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I went down a whole rabbit hole. I was like... Because I, I still don't really know the, you know, to get more esoteric into mm-hmm. the light language. It's, mm-hmm. it's the general senses. It's a language that seems to provide a channel to the human consciousness from some you know, some other place, uh, dimension, if you will. Um, but do you, yeah, I'll, I'll let you continue with like the rabbit hole that you went down. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. Well, I really forgot what was the moment, but honestly, like it was right before the presidential election mm. and that was when I started asking questions. It was like this, this newfound um, curiosity for like how, how the media pushes certain ideologies and certain uh, ways of thinking. And it, it felt forced. Mm-hmm. It was this feeling of force. And I'm like, hey, I know this feeling. Yeah. But it was more like obvious to me. And I was like looking at the news and then I was, you know, with the thing about the children and like I started, you know, just looking into like, you know, that list was pretty, I think at the time, I don't know how long it was out, but there was, it was across several industries of people. And I was like making these connections of like, okay, well, they say these people are corrupt. Why, why wouldn't these people be involved? And then I started looking into, you know, just actors and musicians. Like, it was just, like, this whole thing of, like, whoa, like, everything is connected. Yeah, it's scary to even think about, like, some of the people that we looked up to, potentially, are involved with this. Yes. And there's, like, this mask over everything that we knew when it when it comes to, like, you said several different industries, whether it's politics, whether it's actors specifically it sounds like it's hollywood like hollywood which maybe at a time in like the early 1900s i don't even know when hollywood really became Mm -hmm. you know like hollywood Mm -hmm. it might have been maybe the middle of the 1900s or early Mm -hmm. but it was it seemed like it was this amazing thing to be a part of right like it's this opportunity to act and express your artful expression but it just became really i think just through greed and through lust and through materialism and this is a constant chase for lust it's become so demented mm-hmm. and i mean as a film that just came out it's like the sound of silence or something like that i want to see it i yeah. heard about it yeah. yeah it just recently came out it, yeah i think it just came out and then mel gibson like i said potentially i mean if mel gibson dies i think we know why <laughs> <laughs> mel gibson didn't kill himself 
Uh, <laughs> but um, it's just, yeah, all that came crashing down for me. It did feel forced during COVID. George Floyd, it wasn't like, it's not like I don't have compassion for mm-hmm. African-Americans mm-hmm. at all. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. It's that this all seems like a fucking play. Yes. Everyone is, it, what was so odd was like everyone on social media, even myself included, started to feel like this, I felt bad about myself. Mm. I was like, I felt guilty. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't comply with what was being forced, then I'm like a white supremacist or a racist or whatever. I'm not. And so it just felt really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then I started to notice, I was like, no, this is bullshit. <laughs> this is fucking bullshit. Like you can have compassion for any human being, but this is like really intentional in an act and it like feels even if it the whole events that played out with George Floyd and the, and the police officer mm-hmm. were all accidental mm-hmm. and just like natural the way it was organized afterwards was just like they used it as bait and it was just circulated and it enraged everybody and yeah it's like a constant the media is just I mean we there's so much more facts and information about like the Twitter files now too. Yeah. Twitter files are showing United States, I mean, United States intelligence agencies have been like almost a, another arm or department of social media companies, which is like super, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a clear violation of the constitution. And then, and then more older traditional uh, forms of media like the New York Times, th- like they are not even to me at this point free, like like actual journalists. They're just a pro. They're propagandists, and it's like once you realize all this shit and it blows up like during COVID too, and then it's like then you can ask about the virus too. It's like whether it was intentional or not, some crazy ass shit was organized yep. to make us all afraid. And guess what? Like if you're in con- in a constant state of fear during the virus going around, that's not going to help you with recovering in your immune system. So it's like super contradicting to the human essence of having, of maintaining good health. It's like if, if the virus is there, we can still do our best to, to help with, with the spread or whatever, but the, the how like fear mongering and like, it was just anyways, like it was so obvious. And, yeah. yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's very shocking to the nervous system and your reality of of where where you grew up. Like I was growing like I was born in '93, and the '90s were just like a happy time. And even the '80s, it seems like were, 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 it was good for the American citizen. It was like good times, right? Um, but there's a lot of things that were mass and hidden. But now that social media is becoming like this decentralized, non-localized, independent forms of media from so many different sources. It's revealing all these things. And it's like, yeah, it's, uh, I think you're um, mentioning of being swept under the rug. It's been, that's been happening for too long. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the light language, uh, I think I saw um, one of your posts, you took a video of yourself and there's this girl on Instagram. Her name starts with a B. Brianna, yeah. Brianna. Mm-hmm. Um, has she been revealing and like displaying the light language as well for a while? And how how uh, prominent is this? Like, is it 
are there more people opening up to this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like to say, like, if you, if you ask the questions, you'll receive the answers. And first you just have to open your mind and you'll see, like, it, it could be considered a new thing, but there's a lot of people um, that are open about this. And it's a common, it's a common thing. No, I wouldn't say common, like, in society, but common, like, uh, people are aware of light language. People are talking about extraterrestrial life. People are talking about, you know, the different extraterrestrial lives and um, just what the journey is like of, I would say, remembering who you are. Mm. Um, and yeah, her, her page, I actually like, I, I wasn't following her that long. I came across her page through some other, like, I would say like channel, um, Mm -hmm. person that I was following and, um, I had seen her content and then it was literally like around the same time because I was going through this internal struggle and it really wasn't even that long ago of like, I, I don't know if I want to be public about this. Yeah. Um, because yeah, like, like I said, like it started during COVID and it was like this, this in between time of like understanding what it was, but then like, you know, just the fear of being judged, the fear of being called crazy, like all these things. And then I saw that she had posted it and I was like, whoa, like, she would like spoke about how like she was feeling the same things of like, you know, just that fear of being seen. Mm-hmm. And, and she posted it and it was just like something that was like, you know what, if this person can do it, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And then I just posted myself um, speaking light language and I just put it with the intention of like, I'm doing this for me. Like, for me to um, just express openly and not not have that under, like the fear was still there, right? But being like, okay, I'm doing this and it is what it is. Mm. Um, and yeah, I actually, I think before, before I posted on social media though, I I started opening up slowly to like close friends. Yeah. So that was kind of like my way to to be more comfortable with mm-hmm. it. Um, but even then at first, like yeah. even before that, like I didn't even share that with my friends. So it was like this process of just being okay with whatever the consequences may be of mm-hmm. being open. Um, but yeah, like light language is essentially like it's an internal knowing it's Mm. something that we all have access to and although I call myself a channel and there's other people that call themselves channels I believe that we're all channels it's just a matter of first opening our minds and also feeling I think those are like kind of like the recipes of it of okay I'm opening my mind I'm I'm not approaching this with a with a lens of judgment, but more of a lens of like just um, openness and 
yeah, just being able to 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 hear someone out, even if it doesn't necessarily agree with what you think, mm-hmm. um, and feeling feeling everything, um, and also asking like there's this we would call it like a universal law of free will and free will is i would say respected among uh interdimensional beings that are for the higher good of all and when i say that meaning like you were saying there were there's beings of of light and there's beings of darkness so the beings that we can consider of light um respect this law of free will and if we never ask or if we never are open to it we're blocking off this whole different realm so a lot of my uh i would say relationship with light language and just development of it has been asking questions to something outside of me and like doing research like literally looking into different extraterrestrial beings like there's information there and you will see like there's you know from different constellations and how each each race um has their own I would say their own purpose and they they all have different skill sets and just being curious about what they do like just like meeting someone for the first time it's like okay I don't know who you are I would like to know so having this approach to to these I would say more unseen but still seen because a lot of my contact with them has been um I would say like visual through my through my intuitive perception like it's almost like I can see in my head sometimes I can see visuals of how they look um but really being open to it and in that process it's also of like we always have to use discernment and that's something that I've been learning and I I I feel like I have a very good hold on it because of just the the spectrum of things that I've experienced. And when we align ourselves to a frequency of of love or a frequency of joy, when we're not in a state of fear, right? Um, like attracts like. So whatever we're in, whatever state we're in, we're going to have that reflected back to us. And that's just, that's just how energy works, mm-hmm. right? So noticing those times like when i'm in a state of acceptance and gratitude i know that it's in my highest good or i'm in the i'm in the space to truly connect with that that is also for the highest good and i think that's a very clear a not clear but like important factor when um being open and wanting to connect with other beings and it's it's really not of adding i i think there's this also there's this fear around what we consider good and bad 
And I think there there has to be this recognition of, yeah, there's really bad shit that exists. And there is there is things that need to be known. And we need to feel that that grief. Because if we if we don't feel it, and again, if we don't pretend that nothing's going on, there's oh it's almost like it's giving power because it's not being brought to light. But once it is brought to light, it loses its charge. And a lot of my connection and just my conversations with these interdimensional beings, it's been a lot about letting go of the distractions, finding what what truly like lights you up, noticing how you feel. Your body is its own intelligent system. So knowing how how you feel in certain situations or with certain choices and decisions that you make. Um, And yeah, and just in my connection, understanding if what I'm being told is is feeling like I'm I'm freeing myself or I'm confining myself. Mm. And I think that's with everything. Whenever you are listening to advice or listening to something and considering what you're taking in, it's like, do I feel free from this information or do I feel confined? Mm. Um, and a lot of what I experienced was this this these downloads, activations, um, of this newfound freedom and being able to see how a lot of my reality, a lot of what I experienced was really just like a bunch of unprocessed emotions and trauma that I didn't want to face. But once I was able to do that, it allowed just to make room for something new. It allowed for these new perceptions and new ideas to come in it allowed for me to to see things in a new way and and every every situation that we experience like really it's it's just neutral but it's our perception that makes it good or bad Mm. um and although you know there are some things that we just won't want don't want to experience Mm. and doesn't help the the betterment of humanity or anybody um, sometimes we do need to take a step back and look at everything from a, I would say, a lens of, of non-attachment. Because um, as humans, we, we are very attached to things. We have a very um, kind of like, yeah, like black or white view on things when it's a spectrum. It's not one or the other. Um, so, yeah, I think um, just with the light language, it's been this journey of of actually experiencing a spectrum of of energy and then choosing what I want to experience. Choosing what it is that I want in my life and what I want to be reflected back to me. Because mm-hmm. um, we we have we have that choice and a lot of the time we think that we don't we think that everything that's happening is like you know out of our control and it 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 i think it could be triggering and 
yeah, it could be a controversial thing to say of like, hey, well, this is happening because you you're inviting it or because um, it's your fault. But there's just some things that we need to take responsibility for. Um, and again, it's like, how do we perceive it? What what route or what what path do we want to take is really is really the question. <laughs> mm, beautifully said. Hmm. Yeah. Many different threads. Yes. Into my mind. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the question of, uh, for me, with this fictitious book that I was talking about, there's certain dialogues between characters that discuss, like there is like just the topic of universal moral rights and wrongs. And I don't even know if there are really, because we are all coming from, you know, our own subjective reality, right? You had a picture in your feed that showed this like gray, it was like a gray filtered picture of just human beings just walking the streets of some city, but they had like a galaxy on their head. Mm -hmm. And um, that picture just made me smile, but it also... uh, you know, creatively, uh, through, through just like that picture, it just goes to show that we all have our own realities, uh, in our, uh, in perspectives in our head or just in us in general. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's a question that's come to mind is yeah. Universal rights and wrongs. Um, do the people that have been working in that sex trafficking system think that they're doing something right. Like maybe they think that they're conducting some kind of experiment that could accelerate the human experience through some fucking weird ass way and egregious. And I would say from, you know, a consensus of many subjective views, it's very wrong. Yes. Right. But from these people's Mm -hmm. perspective, Maybe they think they're doing something for the higher good. Like a lot of cultures have sacrificed an animal Mm -hmm. for the gods. Mm -hmm. What if these people think they're doing that? Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the question that comes to my mind, Mm -hmm. which is really hard. That's like you said, triggering in a way. It's like you Mm -hmm. think about those things. It's like how in any way could you try to question that they are maybe doing something right, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that this book has kind of prompted that. Like the son is really upset with his father, who's a billionaire. And the, the, the father is like creating technology that helps society accelerate their, kind of like Google in a way. Like it's mm-hmm. non-localizing people, people's ability to communicate and do different things. But then there's also people that think it's a terrible company that's kind of evil in a way. Mm-hmm. And the, the son thinks the father's like a terrible man. He's polluting the earth. And, and then... His cellmate, he's in jail, just talks about like, well, starts to reflect on, have you ever felt greed or a strong desire? And the son's like, no, never. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you've never felt a desire for anything, mm-hmm. for sex or for fame. And the kid's like, oh, well, yes, I have. And uh, it's like the sentence, I'm like that too. Uh which I got from a friend really is powerful because you, you can, you can see how 
different patterns or circumstances or events that occur that occur in someone's life could lead to their lower to lead to a lower uh, state of of themselves that could then be in a survival mode. And so you can realize like if that happened to me, I could potentially do some bad things as well. If you've ever like just called like one of the most traumatic experiences in your life and maybe you reacted in a way that was just out of survival defensiveness, you realize that we all could do this. It doesn't matter who it is. It's like we can be susceptible to that, right? And um, so that's just kind of one thread that came to my mind when you were speaking. Another one was you said you've been able to picture these uh, these beings. Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt or, or noticed any of the darkness? Because there, there seems to be dark entities as well. Does that come in at, at times or is it just this light? I've experienced it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, it's... I feel like it's hard to it's hard to say because I myself felt a shame around that. I felt a shame of of feeling this darkness. And I think again of what I said of like the dark is only going to continue to have power if we never bring it to light. And First off, I think my experience channeling was, like I was saying, discernment. So before, there was this sense of naivety that I had because I was just very excited. I was like, oh, this is new. Like, this is cool. Like, what are what are these beings, all this? Mm. But I didn't, I didn't know, again, the spectrum of it, right? And... Like I said, there were times, especially during during COVID, where I I was in a very deep, dark place and I felt very depressed because I was acknowledging this for the first time. So it was almost like this period of like before I even knew what I was capable of and before I even knew um, the level of, of compassion and love that I hold it was a uh, the, the internal darkness that i had was reflected back to me in a sense of like you can you can consider it of taking advantage of that naivety or just um yeah just i, I in a sense i kind of see it as a game of like oh well now you're remembering who you are let me just try to keep you in this place a little longer or let me try to keep you down here. And that's what it felt like. And I speak of it as like, again, we we see things as, as external from us, but everything is a reflection of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a concept that it's it's definitely hard to articulate because obviously we're not going to want to say that we're connected or in have any relation to violence or to pain that's being inflicted or to people that commit crimes and things like that but just that um 
that interconnectedness between all of us of like, well, if we've been ignoring it, it doesn't mean that it's not there. And yes, I I did experience um, times where I I connected with really dark things, and I noticed the difference because the difference was that I like physically I felt like contracted I didn't feel this this openness this kind of breath of fresh air and I think it's it's more of a a physical thing even though we're we're speaking on very what we can consider spiritual unseen things the the indicator of of where on the spectrum you're lying it comes to your body because if we stay too much in our head, we're, that's just that's it. We're just going to stay in our head. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the body is really that bridge of like how we feel internally and how we feel externally. And a lot of it was really through like my dreams. It was, um, we can call it psychic attacks. So sometimes um, it looks like sleep paralysis. Or I I was having it what I on and you know really they weren't dreams because I was lucid the entire time, mm. so I was aware of what was happening. I remembered everything that was happening, and I would just see like really um, disturbing imagery and like I would see these dark entities and like it was just like literally like it was trying to keep me scared and in this state of fear. And there is this there. It happened a lot of times. Honestly, I I was I was going through this and I'm like, what like, what do I do? Like, first off, I don't feel like I can share this with anybody. Like, how how do I process this? And. It was in my asking questions and it was in my. Turning to a source higher than me. And like really like surrendering and like praying that I was able to like find this strength and also find this new sense of perception that was like maybe that entity or whatever thing is out there, maybe it is there, but it now has no power over me and it Mm. now has no effect over me. And what i what i began to to notice was like the we can just call it darkness the darkness was really just an indicator and uh it was like this push into showing me what i really wanted in life and what i really wanted to feel in life and how how strong i truly was because if all we see is is good, right? If if our life was just perfect all the time, then it wouldn't in a sense it wouldn't be good anymore because we wouldn't have anything to compare it to. Can't have light without the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Yeah, there there seems and that's kind of tough to to grasp. <laughs> I can't, know. can't have light without the darkness. And, <laughs> 
uh, yeah, it's it's a difficult thing for me to bear and to to contemplate on. Yeah, but you know, and um, I I wonder how we as a as Austinites as as this community here at Squatch and this kind of energy of this of uh, the people that I've stumbled upon and you've met here. Um, I wonder if that will spread to, you know, other uh, parts of the world. And I think it will kind of like a goal of this podcast is mm-hmm. to like invite people on like yourself and just different people to tell their stories and to share it, shine a light on it and to open people's minds. And um, I'm curious, what, what do you, how do you think, um, the next few decades are going to evolve. You know, with COVID occurring, it definitely was like this catalyzing moment in our in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're pretty young too. And uh, I mean, I'm still I consider myself young, mm-hmm. even though I just hit thirty. Um, yeah, I'm curious uh, with this this kind of um, embodiment of of the light language and this channeling. How, what do you or see in the future like what and and are there any distinct so this is like two questions what do you foresee in the future and and then also uh what distinct messages do you remember from whenever this kind of channel comes through because i know you said that sometimes you don't remember it mm-hmm. but yeah um so what i foresee what i i there's gonna there's gonna be a lot of things that are gonna come up uh we're not it's like even though we are, I think as a species, we're evolving and we're growing, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be distractions and bait. So being mindful of that, um, however that looks like. But there may also be a big, what we can see, a split and this split will be in the way we choose to live our lives and the way we choose to perceive things. Mm. So that physically could look like, you know, really having no relationship at all with certain people um, because you chose your path and they chose their path. And again, that could be very triggering, but when you are connected to your inner guidance, when you listen to yourself and listen to, I say a higher power, source, consciousness, God, however you want to call it, there's this deeper level of faith. And... You know, there there could be times where that faith will be questioned. That faith will be put to, to use. But again, it's our perception. So there can be things where we can see it as completely neutral. And it's like, okay, this is happening and I'm still enjoying my life. I'm still 
making a change in the world. I'm still, you know, doing things that that keep me feeling good. And then you can be in the same, even in the same household as someone and their reality is completely different. Mm -hmm. They could be spiraling. They could be like, you know, thinking of moving somewhere because they don't feel safe, whatever, whatever the reason is. But it's going to be our choice of how we how we react to things. Mm -hmm. And as community is building, community is going to be a very big and important aspect in. In, I would say. Keeping the illusion and the distractions to the side because mm. the community grounds you and put puts you back into the present moment of like, you know, as humans, we, we, we sometimes do need this sense of validation and this sense of being seen. Um, I acknowledge that on a, on a journey of health, of self growth or awakening there, there's only so much that you can do on your own as a human, like, you definitely are capable of everything that you desire and want, but to to truly have this experience to to live this life, there are these needs of community. There are these needs of you know um, having this sense of purpose, and when you are in, I would say, in harmony with that. Um, that reality that you want to create or co-create is just amplified. So, yeah, just surrounding yourself with what you want to be reflected to you mm -hmm. and what, what you want to experience more of. Um, but these, these um, I would say these, these themes are going to continue to grow because I think Austin is a great example of that, of, you know, choosing what you want to experience and attracting really attracting that tribe that that wants to experience these same things with you um so it's like no longer being like the the black sheep it's kind of like now the black sheep is all to the, all the black sheeps are together um so yeah <laughs> and the second question was are there any distinct messages that you've re like received that you remember yeah. Um, that you would like to share. Yeah. Let's see which one wants to come through. Remember that your internal truth is what's going to guide your decisions. If, if you follow a path of continuing to, to listen to someone else or listen to something else for, for the final answer, let's say we're, we're always going to hear different options, different opinions. But before making your decision, go back to yourself, check in with yourself, ask yourself, how, do, how does this feel right now? Like, does this feel like something that I want to pursue? Does this feel like, you know, the route that I want to take? And 
another thing is things don't have to fall apart completely for us to to see the light. I think a lot of times it takes drastic things to happen mm -hmm. to get ourselves to a point of surrender. Like you mentioned of people not not going to, you know, not not believing or not going to a space of of worship or whatever until something really really bad happens. Mm -hmm. And it's like it doesn't need to get to that point. Mm -hmm. It's our choice. But just having gratitude for for your day-to-day -day life, like already being grateful for what is here, like maybe some things, you know, you you wish are a little bit better, you wish you weren't, you know, in that current situation, but seeing the positive in that, seeing the positive in yourself, like um that's another thing as humans, like sometimes all we're thinking of is like, oh, like we did this wrong or like maybe comparing ourselves and like trying to 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 constantly be better. And it's great to to want to have that drive, but there needs to be a balance between, you know, having this drive of of improving, but also having compassion and grace for who you are in this now. Hmm. Well said. And I think that is a great way to conclude. Um, where can people find you online? So I know you've got your Instagram, but if there's any other places, um, feel free to mention. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my Instagram, I am dot Leilani. Um, I have Twitter too. I know there's a new thing going on, but I'm not on that. So Twitter and I have like a website right now mm -hmm. um, where I have more of like my services. I do one-on-ones with people um, as well as the classes. And yeah, I... I'm also just around in the community cool. and trying to reach people in person as yeah. well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll list all that in the show notes. I appreciate your vulner vulnerability. It's being here to, to speak and, and it's not easy to display what you've displayed. And um, yeah, I appreciate you reaching out and, and sharing your time and your energy and your message. So thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you. it. Peace out. Bye.